This is Ed Stetzer Live. This and every Saturday we come to you with what I believe is consistently a helpful and hopeful program of our, well, our cultural moment and their ongoing mission. So I want to say to you, uh, Merry Christmas, Adam. I know that sounds a little strange, but, you know, Christmas Eve is tomorrow. If you're listening live on Saturday. And so what comes before Eve is Adam. Get it? Joke? Anyway, uh, Chris, Christian jokes, uh, they're, they're, they're a very unique genre. But, uh, but it is uh, December 23rd, if you're listening live, and this is a pre-recorded program because uh, right now I'm with uh, my family, and it's I'm, I'm glad we are because it's been, to be perfectly honest, it's been a challenging last few months, both of my, my mother and, and my wife's mother. Um, they're both now uh, widows, so we've experienced some of the loss of stepfathers and father-in-laws. And, um, and, you know, so we're, we're spending some time together and our team is spending some time together. And so with their families, not with us, <laughs> but with their families. And so we have a special pre-recorded program. But I will tell you that, um, that for me, I've been thinking a lot on issues of suffering uh, lately, probably because, you know, I mean, I, I, so, somebody have suffered so much more, but just kind of experiencing the grief of losing some family members in the last few months has sort of been on the mind of our family. And so, and you can imagine that that sort of puts you uh, thinking about these things. So we're glad to have my my mother out here for, for Christmas. Um, I would live in California now, so she's in visiting as well with my, with Donna, my wife, and my three daughters. We have some uh, Christmas traditions. And if we weren't pre-recorded, we actually said we pre-recorded this program. If we weren't pre-recorded, have you call up and tell us your Christmas traditions. But for us, we will uh, gather on Christmas morning um, none of my children listen to the radio show. I, I don't feel judged by that. They're, they're great kids, but, uh, but I got them a really special gift. I got them a, I had a puzzle. I had a picture of our family. Uh, not, we didn't, I was just use my iPhone, but I took a picture of our family. I made it into a puzzle. So you can be, uh, at, next week, maybe I'll mention how they're all putting together the puzzle and hope they start seeing, Hey, that eye looks familiar. And that finger looks familiar. And then boom, there's my family in a puzzle, but it kind of feels sometimes walking through challenging times as a family can feel, well, you can feel the challenge. You can feel the puzzlement as well, but there are things to remember in and around Christmas time. And I hope you will as well. The Christmas time is of course, the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're celebrating. The central figure of well Christianity, but really the central reality of all of the history of everything that ever was and even before anything ever was. And so, I mean, this birth of Jesus, we literally split time over this before it's BC and after it's AD. So as you're stepping into this Christmas season, I want to encourage you to reflect on who Jesus is. So our family will actually, um, before we open our presents, we did this since the kids were little. And when they were little, it was hard because they were, you know, they just want to open those presents. Uh, but we would begin by reading the Christmas story out of the book of Luke and and really like went through the whole thing and kind of, you know, went and usually the youngest child would read it uh, when she was able to read before that. Some of the older, older ones, starting at Luke chapter two, verse one. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken out uh, of the entire Roman world. And we tell the story of uh, the birth of Jesus. And of course, the, the birth that brings ultimately a sinless, he lives a sinless life. He dies on the cross for our sin and in our place. God raised him from the dead on the third day. So I want to encourage you to take the time to reflect on in the midst of all the busyness is December 23rd. You might still be, if you're getting gifts, you might still be rushing out to get some gifts. But remember the, I mean, we it's, it's on bumper stickers, right? Jesus is indeed 
the reason for the season. And for a lot of people, the second thing I want to talk about, a lot of people we think about giving, and that's that's not a bad thing. A lot of people give gifts in and around Christmas time. Um, but I also want you to remember that Christmas certainly is a season of uh, giving. Um, but but at the end of the day, it's we celebrate giving gifts to one another because of, of what Christ has given to us, right? His 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 death on the cross for our sin and in our place changes everything. And I think sometimes people do forget that, or maybe maybe the wrong word is forget that, but they uh, maybe they get a little ahead of that celebration. When I was a relatively new Christian, there was a song that I really loved by someone by the name of David Meese. And I was going to read a few uh, lines of it. My wife would make fun of me if I sang it. She says I shouldn't sing on the radio or when I'm preaching, but I got a song in my heart sometimes. It just doesn't sound as great when it comes out. But here's the song. It goes like this. As little children, we would dream of Christmas morn and all the gifts and toys we knew we'd find. But we never realized a baby born uh, one blessed night gave us the greatest gift of our lives. And the chorus goes on to say, we are the reason that he gave his life. We are the reason that he suffered and died in a world that was lost. He gave all he could give to show us the reason to live. Now, that song has to go back to the 1980s, but maybe some of you uh, remember that with me as well. So I really want to encourage you that as there's much giving going on, let's remember just how important the real gift is, what Jesus has given to us by God's grace in his sacrifice on the cross. Can I encourage you to, thirdly, to take some time to uh, worship and reflect on these things. And, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's Christmas Eve Eve. It's the day before. And my guess is your church or churches in your community are having Christmas Eve services. You're not in a church. You know, actually, we did a survey a few years ago in Christian radio. And, you know, sometimes about one out of four people um, who listen to Christian radio are in engaged and involved in a church. Can I just encourage you? This is a great time to re-engage, maybe Maybe you dropped out of church the last few years because of all the cultural division, or maybe you didn't come back after COVID, or I, I don't know. And I, I just want to say to you is uh, be with God's people. Be with God's people this Christmas time. And, you know, you can already plan, depending on your church, some churches are already having services on the Christmas Eve Eve because, you know, Christmas Eve tends to be a full time in the life of the church. But begin there by worship. And, I, and that's let's just start there. Go worship the true king of the whole world, give glory to the newborn king. And I want to encourage you to do that. Take the time to express your faith through song, take the time to lean in. And maybe, can I just encourage you, this might be also a time to say, Lord, I want to reprioritize uh, 2024 around your priorities, which I think leads to number four is, you know, the, the thing at the end of the year is, I mean, it is a time of reflection, right? You know, the we, if you see cartoons, that uh, talk about father time. So father time sort of goes out into the distance and a new baby's born January 1. And, and, you know, people sort of think of this as a transitional time. Well, that's a good thing. And I, one of the things I like about Christmas and Christmas Eve is the timing of it. Now, here's the reality. It's very unlikely that shepherds were keeping watch of their flocks at night in the middle of winter. So we don't know when Jesus was born, but it's probably unlikely that it was December 25th, but we celebrate December 25th. And what an opportunity, though, to say, if I'm reprioritizing, for example, getting back to church, engaging more, what does that mean for, for next year? So, you know, 
you're prioritizing your family. I hope you're spending some time with your family for those who can. Some of us are spending time with loved ones, our church family or more. So do those things. It's a beautiful thing. Do those things. But simultaneously, let's begin to think about how we might honor the Lord in our lives in an even greater way in 2024. You can begin, if you listen to the prior program, for example, you maybe have started a devotional. Maybe you, you uh, Amy or Ewing and I talked about her devotional on, uh, around Mary and Mary's, hearing Mary's voice and more. So maybe you've done that. And maybe now you can step into next year, making church a more regular part, making discipleship a more regular, regular part of your life and more. So I want to say to you, Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening while we're with our families. And maybe you're out driving today or working in your garage, or maybe you're listening to my podcast. But let me remind you that ultimately Christmas is the time for Christians to refocus in on Jesus. And so our guest today, it's not me, the whole program. It's actually a very special guest today. And I'm going to introduce her more in just a moment. But so many of us know the name Johnny Erickson Tata. And she has been a gift to the body of Christ for so long in so many ways. Uh, And she's going to talk to us about practicing the presence of Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I don't, I can't think of a better message in and around Christmas. We're having this discussion right before Christmas, but also a time for you to take stock at the end of this year. Maybe you have some more time. You know, I'm thankful for all the first responders who are working through the holidays. No, I, I know everyone's situation can be different, but I just want to say to you, um, let's walk closely with the Lord and honor him. Our guest, you're going to love our conversation today. We can't take your calls because it's pre-recorded, but I want you to miss out our conversation with Johnny Erickson Tata. So stay with us as we talk about her brand new book, The Practice of the Presence of Jesus. Merry Christmas. Let's continue our conversation in just a moment. As I mentioned in the first segment, we actually have today a very special guest around this Christmas season to talk about, well, Jesus and how he's at work in our lives and how to grow closer to him. So a driving a diving accident actually left Johnny Erickson Tata, a quadriplegic in a wheelchair at 17 years old. She emerged from rehabilitation with a determination to help others in similar situations and really today is known around the world. Bless so many of us. In 1979, she founded Johnny and Friends, a ministry committed to showcasing the good news of the gospel to people living with disabilities. Uh, Johnny has written more than 45 books, including her latest, which we're going to talk a lot about today, uh, The Practice of the Presence of Jesus. She's also a radio host and a fine art painter and just so many amazing gifts to so many of us. My, My wife, Donna, was a special education school teacher by training, and it was influenced, of course, by uh, Johnny's call to serve persons with disabilities and more. So, so Johnny, thank you so much for joining us on the program. And, you know, I think everyone probably, like in Christian radio world, is going to be familiar with you. But just in case somebody might not be, would you kind of tell a little bit about just your own spiritual journey and just kind of just introduce yourself to those who may not know? Well, thank you, Ed. And, uh, of course, being on Moody Radio, I've got lots of good friends, lots of old friends uh, connected mm-hmm. with Moody that I've known for a long time. But for anybody who is new and listening, um, let's see, it was 56 years ago. I cannot believe it. So long ago that I was a teenager, 1967, heading off to college, went for a swim in the Chesapeake Bay with my sister, uh, took a really stupid dive, a reckless dive into what was shallow water. And 
immediately my head hit the sandy bottom that snapped my head back and crunched my uh, fourth, fifth cervical vertebrae, severing my spinal cord. And I'm lying face down in the water. I cannot move. I cannot breathe. I cannot surface. Um, and I look back at that, Ed, and I thank God that somehow, someway, he just, he just tapped my sister on the shoulder and she whirled around in the water. Uh, actually, a crab bit her toe and she screamed to me to watch out for crabs. And then she saw my blonde hair uh, floating on the surface of the water, which is strange because just the night before, I had peroxided my hair midnight summer blonde. <laughs> so there was this mm. shock of blonde hair on the surface of the water that alarmed her. She came swimming after me. And just as I started to drown, uh, just as I began to take in water, I couldn't hold my breath any longer. Um, she pulled me up out of the bay and spitting and sputtering. I, I, I knew something awful had happened. I just didn't know what until the doctors at the hospital much later on uh, said to me, Johnny, you've, you've severed your spinal cord. You've broken your neck. Uh, you'll never walk again. You'll never use your hands again. And you'll live life uh, from a wheelchair for uh, you know, the rest of your life. And I, Ed, as you can imagine, as our listeners would, would imagine, I was um, just devastated, just devastated and became sullen embittered, angry against God, uh, depressed, but praise the Lord, there were caring Christians, um, like our friends listening, just Christians who didn't know anything about disability, didn't know anything about pushing a wheelchair, they didn't know anything about paralysis, but they were caring Christian friends who prayed. And I think that's, has, that, that's, that's been a big difference between my life then, filled with bitterness and depression, and my life now filled with joy, peace, and a an excitement about serving others with disabilities. Actually, it was prayer. It was it's been prayer that has made the biggest difference. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Of course, the response to uh, many people in a time of tragedy is to, you know, turn turn uh, turn inward in in in, in the, just the pain of the moment to turn against others to turn against god and more uh yet your story is how you uh, leaned into you leaned into prayer you leaned into your faith and more and then used even that to to serve others um we live in a broken world and that brokenness is sort of all around us and people aren't sure how to respond. You know, this, of course, is airing, you know, right, right at the Christmas season, when for some people it's a time of great joy, but for other people it's, we, we know from the statistics, it's a time of great uh, sadness. Um, why would you look to uh, the Lord in the midst of a difficult tragedy uh, and, and lean on him rather than, than walk away or blame him or more? Why, why, why did that become such a, a key part of your life is leaning into the Lord in those difficulties? Well, to be quite honest, I, I did blame God. I had no problem with his sovereignty. I knew exactly who to blame. And uh, I was angry, resentful, because right before my accident, I had asked God to do something in my life, Jesus, to jerk it right side up and bring me closer to you. And, and then here I break my neck. And uh, I, I, I can't say um, exactly what 
lifted me up out of depression and put me on a path to leaning into Jesus Christ. But again, Ed, I do know it was people's prayers. And so I know we've got some friends listening. It's the Christmas season. And maybe some of our friends are feeling lonely, isolated. Um, all the celebrations seems to be happening in other homes, not our humble little apartment. And and so I would just encourage any friends listening who are feeling depressed or discouraged, telephone somebody you know who, who likes to pray and just be honest, be humble, humble yourself and say, I need some prayer. I need prayer because that's what I did. I, I didn't know how to get myself up out of despair, this suicidal despair that had me wrenching my head back and forth on the pillow, hoping to break my neck up at a higher level. I was so discouraged. But I, I knew at least to ask for prayer. And it was friends who prayed that uh, I think set me on a better course. And you know, since it is Christmas, and um, I don't know, there might be, again, some people who like me are disappointed, discouraged, maybe even bordering on resentment against God. I think Mary is a fabulous example for how we can respond to our suffering. I mean, think of this young woman there. Well, she wasn't even a young woman. She was a girl. And there she is pregnant, about to deliver. And she's in this cold stable. And she has just journeyed 60 miles from Nazareth on the back of a donkey. Surely she's she's got to be uh, worried and a little anxious. And, and there's nobody around, no mother, no midwife to assist her in the delivery of this baby who is to be the son of God that she will hold in her arms. And you've got to admit that she had to be a little worried, but she yielded, she accepted, she, she did what she did from the very time that angel had announced to her. She said, may it be to me as you say, Lord, may it be to me as you say. If I'm to bear the Messiah, may it be to me. If I'm to deliver this this precious child uh, in, in, a, in a, a bed of straw and hay, may it be to me as you decree. And somewhere along the line, Ed, that's what I did. I just said, God, uh, may it be to me as you say, as you've decreed, as you've put it together in my life. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but if I can't die, then God, please show me how to live. It was a giant step in the right direction. Yeah, for sure. And and of course, that was one of many steps. You, um, you know, I, when I was coming over here to record, I'm recording from the uh, campuses of Biola University, and I just was talking to our president, Barry Corey, and talking about how they had the privilege of giving you the uh, Chuck W. Colson Award from Biola University, and this is in 2017. And um, you talked about, you know, just quoting from this, you know, shining light in the Christian world, a woman whose life has been a testimony, conviction, courage, and compassion, and then honoring for your advocacy for the disabled. So, I mean, you obviously have shared with us how you came to peace with the challenges of your situation, but you didn't just come to peace to where things were or where you were, but you also then made a choice to engage others in service. So, so talk to us a little bit more about that, maybe the thinking, maybe how the Lord worked through that in your life and more. Well, somebody showed me when finally I got my spiritual act together with the Lord Jesus, and I wanted to grow, I wanted to move forward. 
I wanted to make progress. I wanted to leave depression behind. Somebody showed me 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11, where it says that each of us should use whatever gift you've received from the Lord to serve others. That's the key, isn't it? And do it as faithful stewards of God's grace. Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. So right there in, in, in one sentence, you have that we are to use our gift to serve others, and in so doing, we are serving the Lord. And somebody suggested that to me. And so when I went back to the clinic, and this was back in the, oh, I don't know, the late 60s, early 70s, when I went back to the rehab center for a checkup, uh, this was after I'd been released from the hospital, when I went back to the uh, rehab clinic, I, I saw some people there that had, had been there when I was hospitalized. It had been, what, two, three years. And here they were, still stuck in the hospital. And so uh, I arranged that our high school choir uh, came and did a, a, a Christmas program, a cookie distribution. Uh, we sang Christmas. We did everything we could, I could, to serve these people who did not have warm, comfortable homes to go to, such as I did. And uh, I got such joy, Ed, out of serving other people with disabilities. And that kick-started it. That launched me into what is now a global ministry to give the gospel of Jesus and to serve people with disabilities all around the world. And we've distributed hundreds of thousands of wheelchairs and as many Bibles, uh, connecting people with disabilities to caring evangelical churches uh, when they open their hearts to Christ. Um, we hold retreats and getaways for families around the world that struggle with disability in places like uh, Nepal and Peru and El Salvador and Thailand and Ghana and all, all over the world. And it's, it's just so exciting to still be using that gift that I have received, that gift of encouragement to serve other people with disabilities. Christmas is a great time to serve, don't you think? I do. I do. And if people can go, if you go to edstetzerlive.com, you can click right through to the link and, uh, and or johnnyandfriends.org, and you can find their opportunities to give, but op also opportunities to volunteer, internships. Um, and, you know, and I would say to our listeners, if you've, um, you know, we, we recognize that in the U.S. we still have much work to do, but with the Americans with Disability Act, Disabilities Act and more, there are access and opportunities that persons with disabilities um, have much more here, but around the world. Uh, particularly in the developing world, they're just really so such great challenges. And uh, Johnny and Friends is engaged in different places around the world. So again, johnnyandfriends.org is where we want to direct you to. So you, um, you've written, I, I was just looking over your bio, you've written so uh, many books. And of course, I, I first learned about you on a film, you know, every, every, Every time I used to uh, lead the Billy Graham Center at Wheaton College, and every time I did a tour, and I did hundreds of tours, I'd come by, there's, there, there are you in that film, now a DVD. Um, so that's where I first, I mean, I've I probably seen that film, uh, you know, uh, they're, they're right by that case hundreds of times. But, um, but you keep writing, and you keep writing books and works that bless us and encourage us. 
what made you be interested in this this newest book which of course there's a there's a long history of a, sim- a similar title that you connect to but what made you write the practice of the presence of jesus okay well let me give you the backstory ed um Please. years ago again when i was in high school and i came to christ through young life everybody back then was reading uh, a little book called the practice of the presence of god and it was written by Brother Lawrence. Now, back in the 1600s, uh, Brother Lawrence was uh, raised in a peasant family uh, in France. He made his way to a monastery, opened up his heart to the Lord, and the brothers in the monastery gave him the inauspicious task of uh, scrubbing toilets and pots and pans in the kitchen and scrubbing the floors of the monastery. But this humble man, and uh, a lot of his humility had to do with the fact that he suffered a great deal having fought in the 30 years war and become uh, severely injured. Be that as it may, he, he accepted these menial tasks with a gracious spirit and he invited uh, God to um, meet him, encounter him in these ordinary tasks of the day. And it gave him such a delight to encounter the God of the Bible that way. And uh, and so I read this in high school and I thought, this is a great book. And I, um, you know, of course was blessed, but then I put it up on the bookshelf and forgot about it, frankly, until COVID. And of course, in, during COVID, all of us were sequestered in our homes and we were rereading everything that was on our bookshelves. And so that's how I reread it. And when we come back, I'll have to finish the whole story because it's really kind of fun. <laughs> well, I can tell you've done radio because you hear the music playing as well. So we're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Erickson Tonic in just a moment, talking about her new book, The Practice of the Presence of Jesus. We've shared her story. We're going to continue our conversation. This is a pre-recorded episode, but stay with us as we continue our conversation with Tony Erickson Stetzer Live. I'm Ed Stetzer, your host, talking to Johnny Erickson Tata, who's influenced so, so many of us. Uh, Johnny, you were just telling us the story of this little book that was actually one of the best-selling books of all time is uh, is Brother Lawrence's book. And you're, well, tell us about you picked back up this little book that goes back to your high school days. Right, right. During COVID, I took it off the bookshelf and I, I started rereading it. And I thought as I read this, Oh my goodness, I now know why I loved this book in high school. I mean, I love doing this. In fact, this is what I'm doing now in my wheelchair. I'm practicing the presence of Jesus. I mean, because Ed, and maybe your listeners have heard heard me say this, there's really nothing much different between my faith and and the exercise uh, of faith that all of our listeners um put into practice with with their savior but i think i just need him a little more desperately i just need jesus so badly because this disability even um after 56 years don't think i'm a professional don't think i've got this thing all figured out i'm no expert at being a quadriplegic when i wake up in the morning it's hard and it's getting harder uh, as I get older. Um, there is more neuropathic pain 
and uh, you know yada yada. I won't go into my my woes or, but but I will say I just wake up in the morning, and it's okay, Lord Jesus. I can't do quadriplegia today, but I can do all things through you as you strengthen me. So I am not about to go out the front door on automatic cruise control. Jesus, I'm not about to leave you behind on my bedside table with my quiet time book. I need you. May your presence go before me. May I lean on you. May I see today that everything that happens causes me not to rely on myself, but on you, Lord God. And I just think about him all day long. And Mm -hmm. I see him in so many of the ordinary, menial, everyday tasks that I do. And because I require him so desperately in my wheelchair, um, I thought, you know, I think it would be good to write a book um, in the style of Brother Lawrence, but call it the practice of the presence of Jesus to help Christians find him in the midst of their toughest afflictions. Because, Ed, maybe you'll agree, uh, most of us, all of us hate suffering. We don't, we don't like it. We want to escape it. We want to drug it. We want to medicate it. We want to run to the refrigerator to ignore it and forget it. We want to divorce it. We want to do everything but live with it. And I'm thinking to myself, I think a book that encourages people how to practice Christ's presence in their own affliction will help them see why suffering, it can be a gift because you will discover a sweeter, more intimate connection with the Lord Jesus than than if you didn't have any troubles in your life at all. And maybe you'd agree, Ed. You know, I, I, I hear you. I believe you. I know you're right. I just, when we think of suffering as a gift, it's a gift that a lot of us would rather return at this Christmas season, but we don't really have the choice. We don't really choose to what we walk through. And I, I think the last time we were together, which to be perfectly honest, I don't know where it was, but we talked about you were in a season of, of growing pain as you talked about neuropathic pain and more. And um, so I think sometimes people make the assumption, well, you know, you had this, you know, this injury when you were younger, uh, but this is an ongoing reality for you. You're walking through difficult pain on a regular basis. So how does that draw one to the Lord? Or maybe a better question is, is how do we draw near to the Lord in the midst of the pain? Okay, well, let me give you an example. And first I will say that, I mean, I'm not the one who said that suffering is a gift. We're told in the yeah. book of Philippians that it it, it is right. given to us not only to to, to um, believe on him, but to suffer for his sake. So it's given to us. And so the question is, where's the gift? What, what, right. what's, what's so good about this? And it, it hurts. So where's the gift? Well, let me answer it this way. Um, you mentioned that I deal with chronic pain and uh, it, it's not getting easier. It's getting harder. And uh, yet I'm a woman who hangs on to the promise of God. I, I memorize his promises. I, I memorize. Okay, here's one. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse eight says, though we are hard pressed on all sides, we are not crushed. That's a promise. So when I go to sleep at night and pain is just inflaming my body and I know I won't be able to get to sleep, I could be anxious. I could be fearful about about lying there paralyzed, not able to move and dealing with pain. So I do not let pain uh, tell me to be fearful or anxious. No, I talk to my pain. I say, pain, 
you, you, you're hard pressing me on all sides, but you will not crush me because the Bible promises me you won't. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite Christ into the middle of this pain and I'm going to walk into you and I'm going to breathe deeply, quietly, like as though I were walking into the fiery furnace of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And as I walk into this blazing inferno of pain, I know I'm going to find Jesus. I know he's going to meet me there. And so I can study your grim countenance pain and know that you will not devour me. Because as I walk into you, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I'm going to find one like the Son of God. And Ed, I'm not kidding. When I approach my pain that way, when I anticipate finding Christ in it, when I hang on to a good, solid scripture, like 2 Corinthians 4, 8, I've discovered that Jesus already has gone ahead of me, and he has transformed that place of horror into a place of beautiful encounter with him. Mm. You know, I say this all the time. God shares his joy on his terms, and those terms call for us to, in some measure, suffer as his own precious son suffered when he walked on earth. So we shouldn't be surprised uh, when we suffer. I mean, if Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered, should we be less than our master or greater than our master, rather? So when I find Christ in the middle of that suffering, I wish there were a way to describe the sweetness of it, the closeness, the satisfaction, the joy. I feel complete. I feel yeah, like I've touched home base. I think, you know, when yeah, Brother Lawrence this book, of course, this was a time before refrigeration. It was a time before, you know, modern heating and cooling. It was a time before uh, most medications. And I mean, it was just accounted at a time when suffering was more common. And, and, uh, and yet for us today, we really work very hard to avoid suffering, but to understand suffering as the gift as, and to receive it in that way does require some awareness and some engagement of what's going on around us. What's the Lord doing and more. So you were inspired of course, by uh, brother Lawrence and um, you wanted to include some of his insights, you know, following Jesus alongside your own in this devotional. So tell us a little bit about how it's how it's structured, because I don't know, I think probably, you know, like I lead the seminary here at Talbot. So I think probably a lot of seminary students are familiar with uh, with, with Brother Lawrence, but it's not. I mean, I don't think like most people have heard of Brother Lawrence. And why would you want to uh, how, how does it weave together with your thoughts in this devotional? Well, uh, on the left side of the page in this devotional book. I quote a brief snippet from Brother Lawrence and one of his reflections about sin or about um, God and his sovereignty, about affliction, about prayer. Uh, and then on the right side of the page, I give an answer. I give a my own reflection. I, I expand a little bit on it. Brother Lawrence talks a lot about God. And on my side of the page, I talk a lot about Jesus, of course. God and Jesus are the same, the Son of God, uh, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, uh, the great triune God is for us, never against us. So uh, Brother Lawrence and I are on the same page, but on my side of the page, I just talk a little bit more about the scriptures that have encouraged me in my own menial task. I don't wash pots and pans. My hands don't work, but I live in a world of... Uh, urological equipment and leg bags and bedpans and wheelchair batteries. And it's a very ordinary and often a very difficult world. So 
I like to think that my reflections complement those of Brother Lawrence and just help the reader dig a little deeper into God's word to help them see that, uh, well, that suffering is the textbook that's going to teach them who they really are. And none of us are the paragons of virtue that we like to think we are. And suffering reveals us as nothing else can. It reveals the real Johnny, the real Ed. It, it, it reveals the real us. And sometimes that's not very pretty, pretty, but these are the things that God is constantly honing away from us, the sin, the murmuring spirit, the complaining, the resentment, and he is replacing it with a character of Christ. Mm. Suffering is that textbook. Suffering, well, it's a gift the Bible teaches and challenge us, challenges us to engage it and receive it as such. Johnny Erickson Tata is my guest. Uh, just to remind everyone, this is a pre-recorded episode. It's that Christmas time. So, you know, we're with our families as well. So we work together to pre-record this. So we can't take your calls today, but we do want you to just know and enjoy this program as well. I want to encourage you also to get a copy of this devotional. It's a great time to do that for the beginning of the year the practice of the presence of Jesus. We're going to continue our conversation with Johnny Erickson Tata and continue to press in on these questions and issues in just a moment. So stay with us. Hi, we're back. Ed Stetzer Live, continuing our conversation with Johnny Erickson Tata. Uh, we're talking about her new book, uh, devotional, uh, The Practice of the Presence of Jesus. So in the new book, you write that for more than 50 years, you were living with um, you know, the, 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 the disability that you walk through, but it's also taught you to kind of walk in the depths of spiritual life with Jesus. Can you expand on this a little bit, share how you, quote, invite the Lord into every moment, unquote, and how you practice, quote, Jesus adoration, unquote. Okay, well, here's an example, another example um, to help our listeners understand this practice. Um, I was in the hospital with double pneumonia uh, twice this year for a total of 45 days hospitalized, mm. and it was, uh, it was very hard, very difficult. It was a little frightening at times because I couldn't breathe. And yet this was not some detour that I was on, that God sent me on, know that I tend to think that, you know, these, this isn't an interruption. This is the main highway. This is what, this is where God wants me in this hospital for now. So being the kingdom minded person that I am, I'm constantly looking for what is God doing in this hospital room and how can I work with him? How can I get actively engaged with him to make his kingdom real? to the people who walk in and out of this room, the doctors, the nurses, the x-ray technicians, the, the people who do the blood draw. Um, there was one male nurse, his name was James, uh, and when he would come to uh, check my you know, blood pressure, temperature, respiration, uh, as he was taking my blood pressure, I looked up at him and I said, James, James, there's a Bible verse written about you. And he looks at me askew, and I said, Proverbs 14, 31 says, whoever is kind to the needy honors God. James, I'm the needy one, and you're honoring God. And you're, you're, you're just being so kind to me. So thank you, sir. You are, you may not even know it, but you're following what Scripture tells you to do. And he looks at me and says, well, thank you for that. That's really encouraging. And wow. every night that James uh, was on my floor, 
uh, I gave him a different Bible verse. You know, uh, James, you remind me of Jesus. It says in Matthew, he says that I came not to be served, but to serve. Look at you. You're serving just like Jesus. I bet you didn't even think you were like Jesus. I mean, it's just, it's just one way. It's a bold, courageous way that all of our listeners can make Christ real. Um, don't look at any opportunity as ordinary. Ephesians tells us, um, make the most of every opportunity that comes by. And the kingdom of God, we carry it with it with us wherever we go. And so whether we are in the checkout line at Costco or whether we are pumping gas and talking to the lady in the car across from the aisle, whatever we are doing, there are ways we can and should make Christ real. It doesn't have to be the four spiritual laws. It, it can be anything that might whet their appetite for learning more about the God of the Bible. And, and these, are just, these are just small ways that we practice his presence all the time. And for me, it's, uh, it's just, you know, memorizing those scriptures in advance so they have them ready to give to people when I see them. Love it. And of course, the new book is The Practice of the Presence of Jesus. And and you keep talking about like noticing and paying attention to what the Lord's doing. And you say in the book, uh, stay alert to the commands of Christ um, and talking about our lives as a cosmic battlefield and more. So how does that alertness, you're, you're paying attention to what God is doing, to what God is doing in Christ in your life and more, but simultaneously, you're being aware of the threats that come from the evil one. How do you how do you stay alert to all of that? Well, well, for one thing, um, uh, the devil is nobody to be afraid of. He's only a created angel and a fallen one at that. And yes, he has power, but at the cross, Christ freed us from the from the power of sin, from the power of the evil one over us. Um, so I think we just need to be wise to his ways and then focus, keep our focus on Jesus Christ. Um, this, is a, this is a cosmic battlefield that all of us step out onto every morning when we wake up. The most lowliest, the most insignificant uh, person, um, or at least if they feel insignificant and lowly, uh, every morning when they wake up, they step onto that battlefield where the mightiest forces in the universe are converging in warfare. But we don't need to be afraid. We simply arm ourselves, uh, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the blessed of righteousness, the sword of the spirit, which I encourage all of our friends listening in 2024, resolve to memorize more scripture. Sharpen mm -hmm. the sword that you hold in your hand and memorize more scripture. Have it ready when you're in a conversation with someone to encourage them and bless them and lift them up. And of course, lift up that shield of faith. So th this is what we do. We're in a battle. We're in a fight, but it's a good fight. In fact, it's a great fight. Um, mm -hmm. and, 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 and let's not, uh, let, let's not become uh, slip back into the ordinary, the mediocre, the mundane in our Christian life. It should be filled and overflowing with joy. Um, we're told in John 15, Jesus came. He He's driven to share his joy with us, and we should fill, fee, live joy-filled lives for sure, especially in the midst of our suffering. We can find his joy. Wow. 
Wow. You have a verse that is obviously meaningful to you and to many others. Uh, and I want to kind of in our last few minutes together, just remind everybody that we're talking about the book, The Practice of the Presence of Jesus. Johnny Erickson taught is the author. And also, too, I should say that her art is included throughout the book as well. You don't, you don't want to miss the resource as well. But you, you talk some about uh, Psalm 23, 6. Indeed, goodness and mercy shall pursue me all the days of my life. We've got about a couple minutes left. Share a little bit why that's so meaningful to you and how it relates to this pursuing of this presence. Well, I, I think this is a great Christmas gift for all of us to consider from the Lord Jesus. Um, again, uh, verse 6, Psalm 23, goodness and mercy shall pursue me all the days of my life. God is pursuing us as Christians. He has got a vast reservoir of love and power and strength and grace. And he has, he has thrown open the floodgates of heaven, as it were, through the blood of Jesus Christ, he's given us such access. And this reservoir of grace comes flooding at us, a deluge of Christ-centered encouragement. If we would but open our hearts, spread wide our arms and say, yes, Lord Jesus, I receive this. I am weak and needy. Uh, and let's all be like King David who said in Psalms, I am weak and needy. And let's appropriate that grace and make it our own. And live in such a way in the new year that will bless everybody around us and make Christ real to everyone. So he's, God is actively pursuing us, and we just need to be ready and willing to receive that awesome gift. Mm. We are so thankful for you, for your years of wisdom and insight. And again, I want to encourage people to get a copy of The Practice of the Presence of Jesus. And again, I mentioned the arts there as well. And I think you'll find it super helpful and super encouraging. And as we go into the new year, it's a great time to begin those kinds of things. We're engaging a new devotional. A lot of, a lot of us will be engaging a new devotional in that time. So thanks to my guest, Johnny Erickson Tata, for joining me, our team as well, behind the scenes at Moody Radio, my producer, always doing a great job. Karen Hendren, my engineer, uh, Bob Moreau, and putting the, together the program as well. Today, here today's program, again, let me remind you to go to edsetzerlive.com or on the Moody Radio app. All of the programs you can download as a podcast as well. So if you're just tuning into the end of this program, you say, I want to hear the whole interview with Johnny Erickson Tata. Well, great. You can actually just go to edsetzerlive.com, download the Moody Radio app, and all the Moody Radio programs are there always available to you as well. And again, around this holiday season, uh, it can be a time of great joy. I hope it is a time of great joy for you. We want to say to you, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year and to make it a time of great joy. But also, if it's a time of suffering and struggle for you, to acknowledge, as you heard today discussed, that even in the midst of that, this can be a gift that we receive it from the Lord and we walk and lean into Him and reminding you of that verse, Psalm 23, verse 6. Indeed, goodness and mercy shall pursue me all the days of my life. We're thankful for you, listeners, staying with us this past year. We look forward to the next year on Journey Together, seeking to show and share the love of Jesus in the midst of a broken and hurting world. So thanks for listening from all of us here at Moody Radio. Let me remind you that Moody Radio is a production of, uh, there's Live is a production of Moody Radio, which is a ministry that we've Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next year.